Welcome to Uncontained, episode 193. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and uh, things have definitely uh, changed since the last time we talked with the whole uh, coronavirus picking up, and uh, just want everybody out there to stay safe and, uh, you know, don't leave the house unless you have to. Wash your hands, which you should be doing anyway. But uh, here's a little something just to take your mind off of Corona for a little bit. And, uh, you know, just just let the world of cinema into your mind for a bit. Uh, today, I have a filmmaker and director Antonio C.T. on the show. He was a guest of mine a couple years ago around Halloween time. And we talked about zombie turkeys and stuff like that. Now he has two new films out. One is Resilience, which is a short film. And the other one is a feature, El Freeman, which uh, released in Kazakhstan first, but will be uh, distributed here in the U.S. shortly. Antonio shares a lot of behind-the-scenes stories of the making of both El Freeman and Resilience. Plus, we talk about what it's like being a foreign filmmaker in the United States and all the hoops that a filmmaker has to jump through in order to continue making movies here in America. So I had a great time catching up with Antonio on this episode, and I think you will enjoy the episode as well. So it's time to plug in those earbuds. This is how Antonio C.T. lives uncontained. How are you doing, Antonio? And welcome back. I'm doing great. Um, <clears throat> been working a lot. It has been intense years. Um, I'm just trying to push as many projects as we can so we can actually stay current and keep doing like going bigger and bigger. How's it going for you? I haven't uh, seen you in a while. Yeah, it's been a while, man. Uh, things are going well. I've had, you know, been getting some uh, some new guests. I'm talking to some old guests, and you know, catching back up, which is always fun to do. See what people have been working on since the last time I talked to them. And now you're married now. I am. I am. As well, uh, so yeah, that's that's one thing <laughs> that's changed since the last time we talked. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, so. Man, you've been busy. You have two movies out right now. Uh, one of them's a short. One of them's a feature, El Freeman, and uh, then Resilience. Let's uh, dive into, the, f- I guess, the feature first, since that's what I watched first. Uh, just go chronologically okay. like that. Makes sense. So this movie, um, El Freeman, has uh, actually a past guest in it, too, that you hooked me up with, too. Uh, Kate Tumanova. Oh yeah, of course. One of my, one of my favorite actors. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, now I don't want to give away too much about this movie, so I'll let you give the quick rundown of the movie, and then then we'll ask questions about that without giving anything away. It's always a tightrope walk to to when talking about movies. We we can actually talk a little bit more about this one since okay. it already started the theatrical distribution, and uh, it's about it's about to actually hit. Um, the US, I think, is going to go through Amazon and other streaming devices, platforms. Um, they haven't confirmed with me, but pretty much uh, El Freeman, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a story about migration and what is, what is it that uh, for a lot of immigrants means to live the American dream and um, the hardships that an, an, 
an immigrant person has to go through in order to actually okay. stay here in a legal way. <clears throat> it also explores a, a little bit about the sense of um, the money as the source of happiness and kind of like just trying to show like uh, how there's always good and bad people, but uh, in, uh, the good would always kind of like um, have a bigger impact in our lives. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely saw that. I saw the, saw the storyline as it, as it was developing, which was really cool. You know, he was in um, with a moving company casing joints and stuff like that. Kind of got roped into that to like have protection in the United States. Right. And mm-hmm. let me know. And if I do say anything that uh, you don't want said in the in this, let me know and I'll edit it out so I don't give anything away because I don't want to be that guy who drops spoilers. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, no let, let, let's talk about it. it. Let's talk about it. Like it has been, uh, it has been in a couple of festivals here in LA as well. So many people have seen it already. Um, it started. It started the theatrical distribution in Kazakhstan where the money came from originally. Really? So even though it's gonna come. I think it is um, <clears throat> the the subject matter is really is really relevant and really important. So by all means, we can discuss. Things. All right, all right. So the characters in the film are Russian immigrants. All right. Um, so what is there a reason why you chose Russian opposed to like what's going on here in the states with Mexican immigrants? Um, two things. Funny enough, uh, even though I'm Mexican. <laughs> None of my films are about anything that involves my country. Fair enough. Or uh, like n- not no particular group. Like I like uh, stories that can be uh, international, that, that can be universal more than international. Okay. Uh, second thing, I didn't choose this one because I was attached to this film in a very uh, funny way. I got, I would call first because the one who was supposed to direct the whole film and the cinematographer, they were working on the script. The guy who plays uh, L, the main character, yeah. he is the one who wrote it originally in Russian. And then uh, he asked the this guy, Eric Jonas, who is my cinematographer, to help him to kind of like translate, not only translate in language, but actually translate this story into the Hollywood script style. And they, they did a, a magnificent job. They, did, they actually created a really beautiful script, which uh, I, sadly I can say it didn't turn out uh, in the editing room exactly as she should have because of the script but that's a different thing uh it was out of her hands when the companies in Kazakhstan started like redoing it for the market there and that's the version that you saw like the original version was supposed to be a little bit different there's uh, some holes with the um, construction of the relationships with some characters but still like the film is there it is a product so it is being seen but the the whole script and the whole decision of the story came from Eljas, who is the the actor who plays the main character, the cinematographer, and then the cinematographer asked him because they lost uh, one of the people that they have for the, for producing. Um, Eric is the one who said like, "Yeah, you should call Antonio because they, we have worked together in the past." Uh, also, Eljas and me, and like he he would be a great producer for this one because it's such an international setting setup. And I came, read the script. Uh, I actually did a little bit of workshop with them to help them with the script to push it into the, the best spot. And turned out like really, really, really beautiful. So at certain point, like around a month after, before we start shooting, uh, the casting process was still going. And then L, uh, L just, who he was supposed to be directing the film, yeah. uh, decided that he hasn't find at that point uh, an actor that he actually wants for the main role 
So because he's a, a, an actor in Kazakhstan and actually uh, people know him and he has been in TV series and all, he actually has a career over there. He said, like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to do it. And then me as a producer, you're like, wait, like that is like you've been in front of the camera the whole time. You're not as experienced as being a director to be able to spray yourself into. And then you're like, yeah, but I was going to ask you, you can direct it with me. Okay. Which turned out like, okay, no, that means that I'm going to be directing this whole thing because you're always in front of the freaking camera. It's not like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're gonna be sharing things. So it was a uh, we're friends, like uh, about El, just Eric and me. So we're friends. Uh, we try to find an, uh, some kind of dynamic so it works. Uh, new producers comes in, uh, start getting chaotic. That's uh, one of the fun parts of filmmaking. Like there's a lot of people trying to get creative, and sometimes kind of like you know there's some clashing. Oh yeah, you bite heads from time to time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and not only that, but because uh, this production is so international that actually uh, has like so many different idiosyncrasies from like different people. We have people from Ukraine, from Russia, from the, from of course, like the United States, from Mexico, from Venezuela, from Argentina, from Norway, from Australia. Uh, so it is like so, so different the way you're thinking of everyone that you have to also have that, uh, you know, in your state of mind, like I'm dealing with different ways of thinking. So <clears throat> at the end of the day, um, mostly at the beginning, it was a little bit of kind of like a, <sighs> like give and take uh, with many people like trying to figure out. I brought a lot of uh, most of my team actually to to this film and um, that I want to work well, but still it was it was a hustle like every day. And um, at the end of the day, it ended up being something that, uh, well, it's already there. It's been marketed. So it is, you know, something in our back. So we can talk about it now. All right. Yeah. So the story, it's like, actually, for, I'm going to touch on, I like that there's so many different uh, people of different nationalities in it. You know, like you were, had a like laundry list or grocery list of like different <laughs> nationalities that are involved in it. And it's like that many people, it kind of represents what, you know, the immigration to America too. If it was another country that everybody was immigrating to, I don't know if it'd quite be you know, the same. It's interesting to see another immigrant than like what we hear about in the news all the time, because we're always hearing, as I mentioned, about people coming up from Mexico, Trump trying to build a wall. But to see the story, the wall was already there. <laughs> yeah, there is a wall there, but I, I, I don't know. He, it, It's Trump. I can't explain anything he does. I <laughs> I, I just know, know, I know. it's going to be huge. <laughs> okay. So, but it, it was cool to see <laughs> see the immigration from a different point of view, you know? Um, you see other people immigrating to the U.S. and the struggles that they have to go through as well. Yeah, we, we, we wanted to tell a story like... Um... And visually speaking, this is uh, because of my visuals, because of the way I attack films. It is the reason why, uh, at the end of the day, I was asked to direct the film <clears throat> because um, I have more like okay. a pretty point of view, uh, not trying to find like the stylized LA and looking for like the beautiful land landscapes or like the beautiful like uh, downtown shot. We're looking for things that were real for for places that were real for for what we were doing. The fact that we were in LA was just, I don't know, uh, casual. It, it was just uh, like a reality. It was not that we were going we to go and shoot somewhere else because the budget was really limited. Actually, the, uh, when I came in, 
when I just jump into the chair of director, we lost um, a lot of money, like many thousands of dollars from the budget that suddenly just run away and happens. Like, why did you lose the money when you took over? Oh, sometimes investors back up. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I got you. Sorry to interrupt there. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's fine. Like, uh, what's it called? The money comes from a, from a different country, different ways of thinking. And uh, like the money was never enough. And it's just about getting creative um, and trying to get the best. Uh, a lot of things that then we start pulling out uh, as a favor. <clears throat> Luckily, it was a large group that we were working with. And then, like, we could get away with certain things. Uh, like, thinking about it in retrospective, like, what, how much the film cost and um, how much we could get away with, uh, it was a quite a big challenge. And that's one of the reasons why we were uh, stressed was and, like, so, like, so, you know, so big in on set and outside of the set. And there was, like, a lot of struggles because, as usual, money is an issue. Yeah, having to figure out how to make that budget work has to be tough sometimes, if not all the time, um, especially as an independent like filmmaker and no Hollywood budget. So like, how did you decide which locations you wanted to use? Like, What was it you were looking for? You mentioned grittiness, but is there something in particular for this film that you were looking for? Um, it was, in, in this case... That's what, okay, so first of all, the reason what I chose, even though I directed pretty much like 90% of the film, <clears throat> uh, I chose to just get a title as co-director is because a lot of the things were chosen or started to be chosen when I was in the produce, in the producer chair. Okay. So, for example, like the cast was not my selection. I gave some recommendations, but because I was doing some other stuff, the cast was not my selection. So uh, that's one of the most important things that the director actually has to go through. And same goes with locations. By the time I actually jump into the director chair and then things start kind of like getting a little messy, it was a collaborative spirit. So it was like, okay, uh, who can get this and let's and let's go and explore. Some of some of these things, uh, for example, there's something that you don't get to see a lot. We got a beautiful Hollywood mansion, uh, literally in Beverly, in Beverly Hills, who was um, was owned by uh, Miss columbia or something like this okay and it was just abandoned there was like a lot of boxes and a lot of cassette tape uh, it, uh yeah it was it was freaky like literally when we were uh there was no light so we could just shoot there during daylight and there was a time when we were running out of light when uh i was the last one uh just exploring the whole thing so we we knew like nothing was left behind everything was clean and all and uh i just felt like someone chasing me doing those big <laughs> rooms and um <laughs> sometimes we just got like things like that for luck like literally we didn't pay nothing for that one like uh we cut well actually no uh, in kazakhstan they cut a lot of that uh, of that mansion you get to see a little bit uh that is the house where they moving from and then they transport all the boxes to the other to the other house okay with, uh, ambassador uh the old guy so um some of these they just came to us like sometimes two or three days before and it was just about like how to work it. When it was more like exteriors, when it when it was more uh, urban, then we actually had time to actually go and explore, uh, pick out our spots to actually get more like the look, more like the colors. Uh, our cinematographer is is very um, <clears throat> he's very fixated into everything that has to be with lighting, but uh, also to get particular styles. So we could we had to go and check on, for example, for the night scenes where we would have only like tungsten light bulbs. 
outside because he wanted that those colors. And in LA, a lot of places they have LEDs. Yeah, uh, white balance. So uh, it, it was it is a mix of collaboration between all the departments and trying to get the best out of each location. I was saying uh, some of them for me they didn't work as well for what the Tori was telling, but uh, sometimes you just go and play with it and try to make the best out of it. Fair enough. I did pick up that gritty vibe while watching the film, but you know, it is still like polished too. So it looks like a professional movie too, for people listening who would be like, uh, like maybe questioning what the gritty vibe is, but it is like an intentional like tone that you could tell was there to make it I, I'm, to help tell the story. Yes. Even though, for example, there's, there's, a, there's a particular park that I don't like a lot. And it looks like really too nice, too beautiful. And then it was like, okay, let's just use it for a very specific scene that it is meant to be like this. Let's not use it for like the the sad scenes. And sometimes we just had to rebalance everything. But yeah, uh, uh, visually wise, actually, I'm very, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, yeah. So um, now you've taken this film to some festivals, correct? Yes. Uh, in this case, not me. Uh, this case. Um, we finish it, pack it. I start helping. Uh, I edit the first, the first half. The other half was taken to Kazakhstan. I deliver like my part because we were trying to kind of like uh, accelerate the process. And then when it reached there, they just reassemble the whole thing, which uh, I don't particularly agree a hundred percent. But uh, okay. the story is still there. The message is still there. Uh, it could have been a little bit longer. It could have been, it could have been a little bit stronger if we would have stick to what the script was. But at the end of the day, uh, we have a feature film that is in theaters. So that's always a good thing to have. Hell yeah. Uh, what, what, what was taken out that you wished was in there? Um, <clears throat> there's, um, there's, uh, okay, there's a reconstruction of uh, the timeline of certain scenes, which I don't think they work as hard as they could have worked as before because I actually was editing, so I, could, I already see how it worked. Second, there were there were a couple of um, there were a couple of characters that we cut out that they didn't make any sense. Sometimes they're really beautiful on the script because the script is more like a novel, and then you find purpose for it. But when you see them on the screen, uh, it is just you know waste of time. <clears throat> but uh, there is actually a couple of characters, which is the love interest and the who becomes who turns out to be his new best friend. That there's a couple of scenes that would have given a little bit more of why is it that these relationships were constructed and why is it that they end up being there. Uh, as it is right now, sometimes it feels that things just happen and they're a little bit too convenient. They're, they're not convenient. Actually, the, the, the work that Eric Jonas, the, the cinematographer and also co-writer, did when it comes to actually creating the, 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 these beautiful settings for relationships to grow in a logical way, they're like perfect on the script. Now, uh, I understand that sometimes they want to rush things and try to make it a little bit faster, but the film could have afforded an extra 10 minutes, 15 minutes without a problem. I I could see that. Yeah, I was like, uh, it's because it's just like an hour and like, what, 10 minutes right now? Is that what it is? It's kind of like almost an hour and 20, but yeah. Okay, I, I was like before the credits roll anyway, so I I could I could handle it being a little longer, like an hour and a half, something like that. But I think that's a good time for a movie, unless it's like Braveheart or something like that. <laughs> well, you know what? The first the first cut, like the rough cut of this one, was three hours and a half long. Three and a half hours long. Yeah, that was the rough cut, and then when I sit down, wow. 
because there was like the roughness was terrible. Like I, uh, so someone who was working with us like put it together so we can see, and then we were just laughing as we were watching because he's like Jesus Christ, like this is like a full season. Uh, but then, um, like of course that that was meant that was never meant to be like the final cut, but it was just funny because we said like okay, yeah, we have enough. And then I sit down and I'm watching the film for the first time in a screening here in LA, and I'm like, wait. Like we have a two and a half hour film. How come it turned out to be seventy eight minutes? <laughs> <clears throat> I don't well, know. You know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, cutting no down on things, cutting you know, cutting out parts I don't think is uh, necessary or to the, add to the story. I can see, but you know, I've always found it's best to have too much footage, whether it's video or audio, and have the um the comfort or the uh luxury of being able to whittle it down even if it is half the length that it is you know it's always better to have too much than too little and have to do a reshoot well yeah tell that to all the editors yeah (laughs) tell that to editors they get they sounds like they got a little happy sounds like they got a little happy just cutting crap out but So no, but you know what? That, that actually that actually shows the point. What I was telling about the international setting, because uh, my, our point of view here in LA, LA is like you know what we were missing things, and in Europe they they love it. Oh yeah, like the first festival. Like when I heard like the first festival that we got in, the, and the reviews that we were getting, I was like, oh wow, okay. And uh, as a, as an artist, as, as someone that is creating, as a creator you're always judging really harshly on new things. And I, I'm like massive uh, uh, critic of my work. And um, <clears throat> I must confess that I started getting these reviews and then uh, we, were, we, were, we would share it, mostly Eric and I, because we're here in LA and we're kind of like this uh, power, uh, I wouldn't say power couple, even though we're not a couple, but <laughs> anyway, uh, dynamic duo. I'm there you go, it. that works, the dynamic <laughs> no, duo. But we always share and then you're like, okay, well, yeah, it it is. Uh, I guess it, you know it is what it is, and um, our our style is very European, so I guess it makes sense. Okay, yeah. Is there a possibility of doing a European release and an American re release, like uh, kind of a director's cut with what you want in it? <clears throat> uh, could, but I really. I, I I think the the best thing um, I remember when I was uh, studying my masters actually here in LA years ago. Yeah. One time, uh, a professor, very very brilliant professor, he said that uh, I asked him, like, you know, what, when do you think a film is is ready? And then he said, like, the, the film is the, the film is never ready. The film is ready when you put it out. And then when you do that, move on into the next project, and that's it. And that's a really smart thing. Like, once a film is done. And it's locked. Never go back. Like those re-releases and stuff, they're just for making money. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough, fair enough. I can definitely see that digitally remastered and all that stuff. Uh, you got to own this DVD again. Uh, <laughs> you thought you saw it best the first time. And then we no. go from VHS. Yeah, VHS. Yeah, no, like we we went through what Betacam to VHS to VHS from uh, Laser then dvd and now blu-ray and then we're gonna do uh all of Trump's 
in like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, then yeah, to have like holograms in your living room. Yeah, that'd be that that's coming too someday. I don't know. I'm I haven't made it up yet, but I'm not an inventor either, so somebody will do it. <laughs> but all right, man. So, what 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 did yeah. the response to this film in film festivals? <clears throat> Good. It has won uh, if I'm correct, eight film festivals. No, it has won I think it has won three awards, something like that. It has been in eight film festivals, and two of them actually uh, it won as um, as a work in progress. It was it was it was still one it was still a production, and the other one it was the film being cut, and they won as well. I think the biggest one was the uh, Madrid International Film Festival, <clears throat> like the, the biggest of them all that that we won, and um, it has been doing good. Like. Um, I was here in LA for one of them, but I don't remember. You get them mixed up in your head. That's understandable. <laughs> I have two films in the film circuit, so sometimes they get <laughs> I get confused. Well, you said the other one won the AT and T something with AT and T. Yeah, El Freeman was in the Hollywood Silver Screen All right. uh, Prize, <clears throat> and uh, it was good. And also, uh, no, no, actually, no, it was the IFS. Ellen Field Festival, which is um, at the LA Life in the Regal. Okay, and uh, I just I remember reading in your email uh, that for El Freeman, uh, you are looking at bringing it to Mexico as well as uh, Kazakhstan and the United States. Kazakhstan is already there. Like Kazakhstan is where we started. Like the production company that uh, which actually bought the film uh, is in Kazakhstan, so they already have like a big premiere. Uh, with a band playing on like literally live on the theater and a Q and A and all. I, I couldn't go because I was in I was in France at that time. But uh, that one went already for theatrical release there. Uh, they're trying to figure out some other Soviet countries. Uh, I'm trying to bring it to Mexico so it can get theatrical release as well. I'm not actually having talks to try to make that happening. And we have a production um, a distribution company. The the LA LLC already signed the the contract with them, and I think the distribution should start around June or August. Nice. So you'll be able to get this on all your streaming devices or streaming platforms, correct? Or at least at least a couple of them, and uh, be able to check it out there. And uh, I I will get if you get a uh, link to that, let me know and I'll share it. Yes. Uh, like in my show notes, or if it's after that, if it's after that, I'll just share it on social media. I'll keep people posted on it. The first one that might come is actually Amazon Prime in the next in the next weeks. So actually. Uh, it might it might take a couple of months, but if it arrives in, in time, actually I send it to you because I know that they they were dealing with Amazon Prime, so that one that would be the first streaming platform that it goes up. All right, cool, cool, and I will uh, share that link with people uh, to the Amazon uh, Prime when it comes out. Now let's uh, talk about uh, the other film that you have in the festival circuit, and that is uh, Resilience. This is. Uh, the film that I have done that I have enjoyed the most watching it over and over like it happens to me that uh, whenever I'm done and then I have to rewatch it because I'm editing so I have to rewatch it like 2,000 times <laughs> this is this is kind of like the exception of the rule uh, for many reasons uh, <clears throat> this is the first time that actually I, I was I'm able to actually sit down and enjoy everything from beginning to start without actually feeling like oh my god all over again quite the opposite I get excited uh, and I get excited with the audience the um, 
the story behind it, uh, there's so many things that um, <clears throat> I don't know <laughs> which one to start with. Uh, perhaps would be uh, my actress, uh, Melissa Selikovic. She's uh, half French, half Bosnian. Um, okay. Actress who came to America, same thing. And um, same deal as all of us. And then one day he, she approached me. Um, <clears throat> and then we start, she started talking like she wanted to have to 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 shoot this film if I, uh, if, if I wanted to shoot with her. And, and I told her, like, you know what? Uh, show me a good script and I'll consider it because I'm working all the time. So just spending my time, you know, putting my time and money to actually shoot something uh, takes a good script for me to actually want to go in it. And then she comes with this beautiful script about anxiety and depression. And uh, it is something that is very personal uh, to her because things that she has suffered, this, this comes from her own ghost. And not only her ghost, but also people that is close to her. And then she had friends of hers uh, committing suicide. Very recent to actually when she started writing the script, uh, she had suffered. She, if she was a person that actually has hurt from, from this, and uh, it is a disease, it is a sickness. And she wanted to have like this beautiful uh, kind of like a story that would uh, end up with a high note, with a positive note okay. about these issues. Uh, I took it and then I told her like, okay, give me a couple of weeks. I need to figure out because I'm liking the script, but let me see what is it that I can do. I come back and I tell her, okay, um, let's do it. I have this idea. We start talking about the visuals. We share a lot of the same concepts and it was fantastic. So was it your idea to uh, planning out things like the outfits that she was wearing to go along with the mood and like where she's at? Because, you know, she starts. I noticed it started out with her wearing a white dress. Then when depression hits, she switches to a black dress uh, in the desert. And then it goes to reflect her mood throughout the whole thing. So whose whose idea was that? Was that hers or was that yours? This is a beautiful part of uh, resilience. Uh, the we didn't have money, like we just talked like that. Like she didn't have money, I didn't have money to put in. And then when she talked to me, like she she knew that I have like a team, that I have a, cine- a cinematographer, I have a composer. But at this point, like everybody, like all all my people, all my friends, they're working, so I'm I'm expecting to have money to pay them, not just asking favors like I was doing like six years ago, right? So I'm like, <clears throat> okay, here's the deal. We uh, we try to fundraise uh, and try to get as much money so we can bring whomever, and then I don't know what are we, uh, which equipment that we can get, uh, and we might actually have to rush it and then shoot it like really fast, 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 and try to make the best out of it. Second idea, we shoot it only you and I, and that's it. I got a new a new phone back then. It's uh, an iPhone uh, an iPhone ten that I actually purposely. Sh- uh, got it so i can start shooting uh, 4k with it and um okay. i have some tools i have like reflectors i have a gimbal so i can stabilize i have some sound equipment to put it directly into the phone so i was like if we do this we can just call and do it on our own rhythm i don't have to miss work so i don't have to you know to stop actually earning money and we will figure out so that was the decision and that was the first of a few uh, projects that i started doing where I would just go by myself without zero crew, with no one on, on my back, just doing the the role of twenty people, and pulling out like really beautiful stories okay. with really good act actresses because all of them are actually women. So all of them are also, also kind of like a women empowering stories if we want to consider as such. <clears throat> and um, 
and uh, this started kind of like bringing me back to basics to the idea of like you know what there's so much resources that are being wasted and said of people just sitting down waiting for the time getting you know things uh, at the crafties and not really achieving as much as as, as you can uh, you can actually have and for example this this film perhaps is one of the ones that took me the longest to actually uh, finish it, but it, it also has been really rewarding personally and uh, film, uh, film festival-wise. Like, we took 11 days to go and shoot it. Sometimes we would have to walk literally 40 miles, 20 and then 20 back at uh, okay. 125 degrees just to get, like, the perfect shot within the desert. Or uh, having her being underwater for or hours and hours or being cold at the beach or being <laughs> hiking and getting some rush because she stepped on some poison ivy. Uh, we had like, well, that, that was the list of her problems. Uh, she got a concussion while we were doing the, oh, no. the underwater scenes. How'd she get a concussion doing that? Well, she, she just kid herself kind of like a, when she, when she dived, she dived in a, in a place where it was kind of shallow and then oh. uh, literally ended up, uh, it, it it was kind of like the what what is it <laughs> the bodyguard you know moment when Kevin Costner like carries her and then <laughs> they're coming out. It was the same thing, but it, with with her like all pass out and me carrying her to the car, putting her like all literally just like drenched me as well because we're just coming out of the water and then just driving it straight to the hospital because I know she's passing out. I can see the eyes going blank, trying to stay make her stay awake, and then. Uh, actually kudos to her because i can tell you like 80 percent of the film she actually shot it while having post-concussion concussion syndrome oh wow wow uh, that just reminds me of like a uh, guest i just had on i just had uh rob van dam from the wwe on uh talking about his his movie uh headstrong and it was supposed to be about him doing stand-up comedy, but the night before he was going out on a stand-up tour, he got a concussion and was dealing with the double vision and everything like that. So uh, oh, yeah. it turned into a documentary on the the tour and him dealing with that and then getting uh, diagnosed and uh, checked for CTE and everything like that. So it, it it yeah, and he's had somewhat like four hundred concussions in his life th- with uh, professional wrestling. So yeah, and the fact that he didn't have CTE <laughs> was amazing. But for anybody who says professional wrestling's fake, four hundred concussions says it's not. <laughs> no, no, but, I have two uh, two two friends that actually do professional wrestling. They're really. Made, uh... Yeah, they're, they're women. They're women. Uh, they're in the show. Uh, the one of the producers of Glow is called Women of Wrestling. Okay. And, uh, and 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 they're 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 doing good. They have you know like the characters, and uh, like I know as a fact because I've been there. I, I see them training, and I know how hard they hit. Like they they come back home and then they start you know like Snapchatting or just sending images <laughs> of their bruises. Did you say they're in the uh, show Glow on Netflix? No. The same producer, uh, yeah, yeah, no, the, the show, yeah, the show Glow on Netflix, uh, yeah, he was produced by what's it called, David McLean, and then he's he has been producing for I think three or four seasons this other show, which is called Women in Wrestling. <clears throat> okay, all right, I'll have to check that out as well. No, women of Wrestling, it's called Wow, <laughs> oh, wow, okay, uh, Women of Wrestling, yeah. fair enough, yeah, all right, so. 
Um, are you going to have a wrestling uh, wrestling uh, movie coming out soon? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, there's a, an action film that it's in the words that I can uh, talk about it with um, that we're planning to shoot in Norway. All right, damn uh, non-disclosure agreements. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> if, I, I will ask this. If it is, and you don't have to answer it if you can't, but is it with um, a person who was a guest on my show if it's in Norway? You can actually say it. Yeah, that's with Ragnar. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just wanted to check and see. I didn't want to just throw the name out there or whatever. But all right, cool. I'm glad. Uh, glad you guys are working together again. Um, and I look forward to seeing that as well. So back to the movie uh, Resilience. I could tell there were a lot of decisions made, like visually, to um reflect the mood uh whether it's uh lighting the environment that you're in or as i mentioned early the dresses uh, or the outfits that she's wearing so there's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes into setting the mood in in this film now like you mentioned that shooting it by yourself one-on-one with her made you go back to the basics was that was that something that you wanted to focus on was like symbolism of things in the film or what were what were some of the basics that you went back to no that was practicality of the fact of not having no one helping you because we didn't have uh we didn't have the resources to actually be able to pay people but also when we start shooting and then I realized like, you know what, I can, <clears throat> I, I have done this before. Like uh, you have talked to Ragnil Diorge, which is, yes. uh, we have worked together for like the past eight years now. And um, w- there's another, uh, another one of our stunt uh, partners and also one of our best friends. Her name is Selena Sullivan, uh, both of them wrestlers. And <clears throat> the fact is that, for example, we start doing, we start doing like these projects uh action comedy things that is still a project on the go but we have never been able to sit down seriously and put it out there but it's a show that is called angry girls with a you and okay. it's a nice concept and the whole thing that we that, that we created is just like these two girls who are playing different characters and for some reason they start beating each other up in every episode and that's pretty much like the premise of <laughs> <clears throat> but but it's really funny. Both of them are all, all of us three are stunts. This is how we met. So when we started doing that, uh, we were shooting always on phones, and pretty much it was just both of them two at me. So when when I when I was confronted with a with a with a project of resilience, and then I was like, I have these two choices. I was it was for me just like the smart choice. He's like, you know what? I have done this before. <clears throat> There's a picture of me when I'm literally. Uh, Holding the hold, holding the phone because I'm I'm shooting I'm I'm directing I'm the cinematographer I'm the camera operator but also I have like a big bag of an actual uh, full system full recording system like professional both of them they're mic with the lavaliers so I need I need to be doing a sound mix and at the same time I have the script because I have a walkie-talkie and I'm first AD and I'm reading the lines to the to to them so they know <laughs> where they are because they're not even close they just have like walkie-talkies around and I'm doing literally like six seven rolls at the same time like just going like this like uh what's it called like cramping my fingers <clears throat> it's it is possible it's not recommendable but <laughs> if you want to push things outside when you don't have money when you don't have the resources 
you just do what you need to do. And resilience uh, demanded that. So when I was when uh, when I was confronted with a decision, and uh, Melissa agreed, I was like, okay, let's go for it. The first two days went out perfectly. No, actually, no. Correction. The first day didn't went perfectly. We went all the way up to uh, the wisdom tree in Hollywood, which is a beautiful setup that you can see in the film, where you can see both the San Fernando Valley and you can see uh, LA. Okay. And we're there. Uh, this is like around uh, midnight. <clears throat> this is in August. And when finally we get there, this is a uh, usually takes like a half half an hour hike, really strong going going up. And everybody, when they come up, they're just dying and they're just like breathing really heavily and they're like shaking. And then they just stay there for like at least half an hour to recover. Okay. I, I did that a hike carrying uh, 30 pounds of equipment uh, because she was not going to carry anything because she couldn't sweat. So um, I did that with the extra 30 pounds. And then when we finally get there, uh, a beautiful fog <laughs> fell, fell on us. And then there was nothing to see. Like it was, I couldn't see past four feet away. So I have just one shot uh, out of that day, which is a beautiful shot when I, where you can see, uh, you, you can see her face like looking out, looking away. And then she's all blue. And then you can see the moon in the background. But because we had the fog, Usually when you try to take a picture with your phone, it's impossible because it's just a little dot. But actually that shot was possible to have actually the moon because you cannot see the fog. And the only thing that you can see is the light reflecting of the moon spreading really, really big. So this is the best uh, shot that I have ever had with like an actual face and the moon there just because of a random uh, weather <coughs> condition. And uh, it was funny because while we were there, uh, um, we start hearing voices, so we stay quiet, but we have these lights, uh, they're purple. And then we have this light subset of like really purple. It's just like lighting up like the whole wisdom tree area. And you can hear the voices uh, in fear like, man, what is that? Like, do you think they're, <laughs> they're all, <laughs> they're, all they're aliens? And they're like, yes. <laughs> and it was a pause, like just silence for like 30 seconds. They're like, just relax as we're shooting. Just come in. <laughs> it was like you had a UFO you had a false UFO sighting because of you guys. How <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? You have a weird purple light <laughs> and just silence. So it, it was funny. Yes, that that is uh comedy. Too bad you didn't get them on film just for like a B reel, you know, just for like the the uh <laughs> deleted scenes or something like that. But actually um, I think I have them. Oh really? Right on. That, yeah. If you release this somehow, you'll have to uh, include those in a way, or just have them on the website so people can check out some some stuff, or or just send them to me. One of the two. I just <laughs> I, I, I should do because I actually shot a lot of B roll, even everything at the ER. Oh really? Yeah, you yeah. can make a whole. You can make a B roll that's longer than the A roll, uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna create like recently on the documentary and then send it and start winning a whole. You know, shot shot uh, ton shit of awards again, but for best documentary this time. There you go. There you go. Make a make the film and a making of at the same time. Uh, <laughs> a couple more questions about resilience here for you before we move on. Um, now. I I noticed that there was you used a narration style to this, like of her telling the story as everything's going on. It was there a artistic purpose behind the narration style opposed to having her talking on screen? 
Yes, that's what that's that's uh, that's the that's the way the script was presented. Like I lit- I literally got kind of like a what I got from her was uh, this beautiful text, which feel more like a thoughts. Okay. And then I uh, I help her to put it into like the the good script format. But then when when we have it there, uh, it just I just start confronting this thing with with visuals. This is what took me like a couple of weeks to kind of try to figure out. And then when I showed it to her, it was like, you know what? Let's just do it like this. Like let's just let's just have uh, the internal thoughts of um, of someone going through these obscure times in a very surrealistic way. Because as you can as, as you know, like uh, sometimes like the, she just space travel. Sometimes she space travels in, inside of like deep space and in her mind that maybe doesn't exist. Yeah, which is what people from anxiety and depression suffer like sometimes they're out of their mind they're out of their bodies and they're just internally suffering and lost up there okay all right i was wondering if it was something like that or if it was like once once you started talking about shooting it on the iphone if it was like okay it was easier to get the good audio good audio with having her do it in a sound booth uh afterwards you know actually the funny thing is that at the end of the day even though i actually recorded good audio so we can get everything the whole film, there's not one single part of sound that actually is, is real. Like I literally, I literally recreated everything. So every sound that you hear, I just made it. it really? Took me, it took me two months to actually be able to do the whole film, then do the sound mix, all the color correction, and then, uh, well, of course, first the follies. But it was like again me sitting down, just doing everything on my own. Wow, man! Wow, and then that—that's the other movie you have in the film festival circuit right now. So, how many how many festivals have you taken that to? This one uh, it has been in the first year twelve festi- thirteen festivals. Uh, we got twenty nominations out of it, and so far we have won twelve awards, one honorable mention, and three recognitions from the state of California. Wow, that's that's impressive. Have you had like uh, accolades like? that many accolades on a single movie before or is this like it, it is a constant grow like the first the first uh, thing that i sent to a festival it just went to Cannes, and it was just premiere there so with nothing the second one uh got into i think uh four festivals the next one did eight so no the first one did eight something like that and now this one is doing no no no. first one did just one then the second one did eight the, the next one did 12 festivals and then this one i'm thinking it should end up being with like somewhere between 24 to 30 because he just started the second year oh wow all right man very cool so um you know i have a second part of the show which is geared to help people who are wanting to become uh entertainers get into the entertainment industry get their foot inside the door so i like to have it specialized to my guests area so what is your advice to somebody who is looking to either get started in film or or take that next step um number number one which is getting tougher because of time and all uh but try to um try to shadow and get it and get attached to someone that actually it is it doesn't have to be someone that is up there and is an A-lister. It's just people that actually are doing things all the time because mostly when they when someone is barely starting, uh, you need to learn a lot about like, the language and the rhythm. And it helps to actually uh, be with people that are a little bit more experienced. Um, <clears throat> the, sec- the, the, the one that it would be attached to it would be the fact that uh, start doing. Like there's no better way to actually learn 
properly that from fucking up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so true though. Lot, yeah, when you screw up, uh, for example, as I remember, like I, the, the reason what I can do, uh, for example, this kind of films is because I can I can do pretty much everything on my own. Maybe there's things that I cannot do as well as if I had someone more professional, for example, like doing color correction or doing sound. But I have enough knowledge to actually get away with it. Okay. Of course, if I had the money, I would prefer to have someone doing the sound mix or the color correction. Uh, also, because I really don't like doing those things. And it's really annoying. But uh, I respect <laughs> the professionals in each area. That's why I'm not acting as well. I could actually do it as well. <clears throat> but um, when, you, when you start screwing up and then trying like all of these different things, you learn more about not only just one part of the profession, but everything that, is, that involves to them. So the second, uh, the second thing would be uh, <clears throat> try to do your own things, actually start doing projects. These days it's easier than ever to literally just grab the phone and start shooting with that. You don't need nothing else. Every phone can actually be a, a film camera. It's just about creativity and then thinking about visuals and uh, knowing a little bit of storytelling so actually, to actually be able to put something. And of course, having uh, a script that actually is worth shooting. So it's something that at least is worthy having there. Okay. All right. Very cool, man. So, um, yeah, I always learn the most from when I mess up, you know, um, you don't, you don't always, you don't in the future, you don't always remember when you did something. Okay. You know, you do remember when you mess up, you do remember the first time you bomb and fail at something. And you remember when you do awesome at something, but if you just do okay at something or don't fail, like just get by, it's like, eh, I, I won't remember that at all. So yes, take those failures and learn from them. Uh, reminds me of a Michael Jordan quote. Like, uh, it's like, I failed, I failed, I failed. And that is why I, or I failed so many times and that's why I succeed. I kind of paraphrased and butchered it, but uh, yeah, um, that's around what he said. <laughs> no, no, yeah, like, and you, you're right. For example, like I can remember, like my first first like screw up uh, related to film industry was uh, learning how to edit. And back then, I used to edit uh, in these big machines, like these big computers that used to have in 2002, uh, <laughs> and, and I started learning Avid, which right now is like super mainstream. Back then in the college where I was studying, not even the professors knew how to, to work with Avid. Like they yeah. were taught fast with a, a couple of crash courses and that was it. So I sat down and like, yeah, I want to learn uh, because I knew the computers were there with any software. Like I want to use it. Uh, like we don't have right now space to teach you. So here it is, uh, go and play. And then like, fine. And that's how I learned. Like I spent like a full semester just learning about it. And how I what I learned about uh, editing is like, Save every two seconds. This is was my first teaching. <laughs> so what I'm doing, this is just a desktop. And then I'm just editing. I've been editing for like three hours. <clears throat> Very uncomfortable chairs. And then I just stretch. Ah, John. And when I John, I kick out the plug. Delete. Oh, man, that's that's rough. Yeah, I've learned my lesson on that many times about saving repetitively, like almost like you're saving with OCD. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I actually uh, used Avid a little bit in uh, college as well. Avid Express Pro back in back in the day. Oh, yeah. I had the special uh, keyboard and everything. But uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing how long it takes to edit like a five minute video. You know, especially especially when you're not good at it yet. But still, like five minutes of film was like forty hours of work or something like that. It was like, it's like, damn. <laughs> you know what is the best part? When you actually you're super proud of everything you did, and you just barely learning, and then you come and show it, I don't know, to your family or friends, and you're like, hey, look what I did, and then they just watch it in thirty seconds, and you're like, okay, so what was that? It's like that was like literally my past two weeks, but okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, or, you know what I actually do like, even though it's kind of painful to do personally, it's like going back and either watching or listening to what you did way in the past that go back and watch that first video you did, you look at it, you'd be like, Oh wow, that was I, I. I see why my parents weren't impressed. But compared to what you do now and how far you've grown, it's like okay, I'm. I'm and and it's a good thing you think like your original work is kind of crap, you know. <laughs> it shows that you know the reality of where you are standing now. Yeah, it, it helps you put it in perspective. Um, right. And if if your work, if you're happy with your first work that you put out you should really work on growing <laughs> yeah, right now for example I start, i'm gonna start putting up um a few, a few of these short films that a lot of people ask me like hey where, where can we watch them and like you know what they have they were in uh, festivals for uh, for so long that i never really put them anywhere so actually uh i'm, I'm about to to put them in, in amazon prime as well so they can have an output finally and i was going to the list of them to see which ones were worthy for <laughs> for people to see and for them to be out there <laughs> and it was just kind of like a triple like jesus christ what was i thinking but uh, it's <laughs> all right man so so that that's some good advice though man uh the whole you know failing thing and uh learning from that so what are you currently doing right now to uh promote yourself and uh your films I'm terrible at promoting myself, to be honest. So what I what I start, uh, right now, like film festivals are like the things where I, what I'm getting my uh, bigger output to actually push things outside. Uh, the things that are done, usually uh, someone else kind of like take them and start like taking away. For example, with the resilience, we some fe festivals uh, gave us PR. Uh, AT&T Film Awards immediately took me to several outputs, uh, several podcasts, like live interviews and uh different press <clears throat> that just start going out there and film festivals are really convenient um the one thing i do to actually try to get the most out of these uh, short projects because of course the feature film is different you get a distribution company and they take care of that and they yeah. just what out unless you're actually just trying to distribute yourself which that that's kind of tricky but two things one with the short films <clears throat> it is all about um as a as a filmmaker picking up your fight but like knowing how to pick up your fight so you know which film festivals are like the ones that are going to give you like the most value with audience and which ones are kind of like going to spread you out or which film markets are going to be there so you can try to push things out um luckily for me i do have and uh, collaborate with a company which is uh, is, is the one that i work the most which uh, they are <clears throat> they work with marketing and pr so okay I'm all the time in red carpets and bap events like uh, most of the time working 
But then I get to network a lot with famous people, with producers, actors, uh, directors, whatnot. So kind of like my way to push me, push me like outside is just by doing one-on-one with people and then sharing what I'm doing. Getting uh, Hopefully soon, uh, getting people interested enough to uh, to actually start getting those big budgets to actually go into the next level. Like right now, yeah. I'm like right there behind the glass, just, you know, looking at the toys. <laughs> I'm so close, I can smell it. But still, there is that barrier. So uh, I'm just waiting for... I, I know it's just that little that little barrier and uh, should happen soon. Like the, this project in Norway, for example, uh, we are we're, we're pushing because this involves the government of Norway to actually uh, kind of like jumping with us. Uh, last year I was there. We were having meetings with um, uh, the, the, the head of the department of the Norwegian Film Commission and all the producers in different regions. To try to make to try to make this happen, that's what, it, what we're working on, and the thing that actually puts me in the position, uh, for example, to say like, hey, like I'm the one who's going to be directing, and Rangel saying like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm the lead actress, is because of the things that we have been winning, like, okay, uh, getting the credibility, even though it's kind of like not pushing the, like massive social media. At the end of the day, what we what we're doing like. Directors are not meant to have like uh, one million followers. Like no one gives a shit. <laughs> they give a shit unless you're them. unless you're like Steven Spielberg <laughs> or Tarantino or something like that. Then then they get the one million. <laughs> they get to do whatever they want because they bring the big box to the studios. But uh, we don't consider um, we don't consider uh, directors to be social media influencers. Yeah, Tarantino maybe because he's like sad and bizarre and that's it. But pretty much directors are reserved to themselves. Same thing, like you know, like uh, um, above the above the line uh, figures, like cinematographers. You don't hear someone like uh, Chivo Lubeski having, you know, like tweeting every day. Do you think that is a like I don't know an important characteristic of a director to be kind of like in like introverted in a way, like kind of uh, like at least at least internally process things opposed to being like an actor where it's more outgoing. I, 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 I wouldn't call it introverted. That would be kind of like uh, perhaps oversimplifying it. I would call it analytical. Analytical. Okay. That's a better word. Yeah. Because uh, and uh, no, but uh, the thing, the, the, the way, for example, I see the difference is that I, there's directors that I know they're extremely um, successful an introverted example, George Lucas. And okay. there's people that are massively extroverted uh, of the way to that actually they become actors, for example, like Quentin Tarantino. And yes. not only that, you can see the, the way they approach uh, media. You can see one of the things that Tarantino um, has that actually make him beam him is the way that he was always like so flamboyant uh, in his way of being with the press. <coughs> Sometimes even okay. a douchebag. And uh, if you can hear, for example, like George Lucas speaking, up to the, these days, he's very quiet, uh, very reserved. He chooses his words like really politely, and <clears throat> it is kind of like two different ways of being. But the analytical, the, the analytical side that we have, it is just that eye of kind of like being exploring everything, even while we were talking to people, seeing their reactions, and it's kind of like being a poker player. Like uh, sometimes it seems that you're uh, kind of like a tarot reader, and then. You're telling people things of their lives that they're like, oh, how do you okay. know? Like, because I'm I'm used to see. Like, I need to see many things at the same time. 
to to try to recreate reality. So the best way for me to actually be able to be a director is to pay attention in real life. So the, sometimes I don't think it, it is not that we're quiet. It is that we're thinking, we're, we're introspecting everything that we're seeing. Okay, that that's a better way to put it than introverted. Introverted was just the first thing that came to mind, but where where you went with it was what I was actually trying to say. That's the analytical side right there. Uh, <laughs> so um, now moving on here, I have this is a kind of a two part question. First, it starts out with a hardship, then it moves on to a highlight. So, uh, what would be a hardship? that you care to share that maybe you maybe you overcame and made something positive out of oh okay uh my biggest hardship up to these days <clears throat> is uh actually be able to connect with uh people of power okay um i'm a stubborn person but i'm also extremely logical but uh, if there's one thing that i do not tolerate it is, uh, for example, like people being disrespectful, uh, hypocrites. Um, and a lot of people in positions of power tend to be both. Not everyone, but okay. it happens often. In LA, that is, that is like even more. So trying to, uh, like trying to want, want or wanting to approach someone to kind of like beg for a budget uh, with a state of mind that kind of like does not compute with my state of mind, it is a little bit of a tough challenge because then it just immediately puts me uh in a judging mode or defensive mode and then of course like uh, why would you anyone would want to go and talk to someone that you in- inherently you don't like <laughs> and maybe that's a little bit over, over judgmental uh because you get to you get to know people and some people are nice you discover that most of the people actually were douchebags as you explore and la is plagued with those kind of people and <laughs> i like getting along with with humans that are kind of like the people that I, I want to keep in my life. Like most, yeah. most of my team, they're friends or best friends because of that, because these people that I have been growing up with, that I'm going to keep growing with, and that their success uh, makes me immensely, immensely happy. So a lot of times, like I get jobs, um, side jobs of things that, hey, like you want to be cinematographer for this show with uh, people who actually, you know, were big time producers uh, later on. So like that is like, you know what? Like I could take it because uh, I, I can use the money, but I'd rather my actual cinematographer to go and take it because uh, that's what he does. And the better he gets, the better the better I grow as well because he's the, one, he's the guy that I'm going to keep bringing. And everybody kind of like grows together. Nice, nice. That's a, that's a good way to look at it too. Like, you know, it's not just me, 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 bring me up. It's when like one of you get attention or get the experience that brings the whole crew up in a way. And uh, being happy for people's successes is something that's not always out there, even though it should be, you know, like when, when I see my past guests on my show, uh, going and doing big things. I'm like, hell yeah, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. Uh, go, go get it, you know? And, uh, and when I, when I saw you posting about all these film festivals you were in, I was like, hell yeah, I, I got to talk to him again and, uh, help, you know, spread whatever little bit of word I can, you know, <laughs> but we love yeah. And, you know, I kind of like, I don't know, in a way it's like, one of us gets shine, we all get shine. So, um, moving on, uh, moving. Yeah. I, I like to try to live that way anyway. Later on, we're gonna be uh, like one of those interviews. I don't know, ten years from now, like 
Jimmy Kimmel interviewing uh, uh, Matt Damon, and then we're going to be playing pranks on each other. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, you'll have, you'll have us hiking up to, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to uh, um, move on here. So now, um, now what would you say would be a highlight that you want to share with the uncontained audience? Um, the highlights are different because I don't think I, I don't like even though like there's things that I have won and all, like I don't think I still have like those highlights that I'm really proud of. I have highlights of people that I have met, people of uh, people that I have worked with. Um, specifically speaking, for example, with projects, uh, right now I can tell you that resilience is a highlight uh, in my career, like really important. Okay. Not because of what we have achieved uh, in awards. But because we have achieved uh, as in reaching with with the heart of the people, and it happens it happened to us like very recently. I was with Melissa in a film festival, um, like a month ago, and when we went out the screening, it took us uh, an hour to be able to like move away from the theater to actually get to the car, because people just keep approaching us, uh, people who wasn't. <laughs> We had a really Q&A, but uh, people people were coming to tell us uh, why is it that the film was so impactful because of how they they knew people who had suffered this, how they suffered from this, and how um, how this actually film kind of kind of like helps them explore like a different perspective in their in their in their in their lives in their minds. And uh, most of most of these people actually would come in the they speak French because the movie is in French and uh, the the color that the French. Um, uh, came out with Melissa because she's French. <clears throat> she put like so much, so much life and so much of her experience and so much of the suffering that she has that it resonated like massively with people in like so many places that uh, they would come and actually speak speaking French to them. I know a little bit, so I could understand, but it was, <laughs> but it, it was just very beautiful because I have never had uh, a film that would resonate internally as hard as this one. And uh, it, it, would, it, it was funny because it was kind of like a, uh, being playing a, to be a little bit famous. Uh, we would go and have lunch and we would go to a restaurant close to the, to the film festival. And there would be people, uh, not the same day, but literally two days later, that uh, saw the film and recognized us. And then they w- would come to actually come and keep talking to us. And it was really, really fun, but also really feeling because of uh, it, what you're doing has an impact and, a, and it has a positive impact on the state of mind and the uh, well-being and the health of someone else. And that's a new. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's, you know, if it has to be a great feeling to know when you reach somebody, especially with a story that the sort the story of resilience is like real, you know, it's a real story that many people have lived and stuff like that. And know that you're making that connection and getting the feedback from it is has to be an awesome feeling. <laughs> it does. Uh, and we, oh, go ahead. No, no, I would say like it, like we we literally love it and enjoy it so much. And uh, I got like so many uh, because the film is not out there yet. So uh, people were pe- people have keep asking through all the film festivals that we have been going or, or getting emails like, hey, where where can I uh, where can I get the film because I want to show it to someone. And regrettably, I don't have nothing specifically. When I have seen, like, when someone has approached me, we have sent like private links for them to watch it, like the ones that you use. And then yeah, we just uh, we just take them off. 
Um, but um, what I want to do, one of the things I want to do is uh, approach uh, an org here in, uh, in Los Angeles or in the, uh, in the country that actually deals with the uh, mental issues and try to, uh, to place it with them on their portal or something that actually works so they can actually use it. And for this to have a positive impact, like this is, this is not something that we're going to go and make it like millions, but I rather, uh, yeah. And I would rather have it something that actually would help people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you vision it more helping people with depression or helping the people who are like, have people with depression in their lives? I think, both, uh, both uh, the people, the people who have depression sees it, and I have seen it, and, and it's a very interesting kind of like case study for me because I'm a director, so I I, <laughs> I, I see and I pay attention, and uh, yeah, it is it is fun for me, uh, not fun in a sadistic way, but it is fun for me to learn. So <clears throat> I have seen this with people that actually suffer from like heavy, heavy anxiety and depression, and uh, it, it is a little bit still like telling someone that suffers from this like no just just feel good and they're like well, <laughs> if i could i would but when it goes to the end uh and then like hearing the journey and then actually hearing that this is kind of like something that was written and a star by someone who has gone through that path and that that has that kind of uh way of thinking and yeah positive point of view then that is what becomes inspiring it it, it is the journey behind the person who wrote it that actually uh, helps <clears throat> for them to understand and that's when the light comes up but on the other side of the coin it is the people who have never experienced this or maybe has never been close to and then it has happened and i have been close to people who they claim that they had or something like that i never um i, I was never close enough until for example like well, i met melissa and then i was uh I don't want to say help her, but I was I was there. I was there for her when, okay. when she needed someone, and uh, it was tough for me at the beginning. It was really difficult because I didn't I didn't understood at that time. I I, I was it was not in my mind the the, the ability to comprehend uh, how this was, and uh, not 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 only knowing her but going through the journey of making the film actually helped me understand and uh, helped me understand and figure out like what is it that is really the sickness or when it's just sadness. And how to sometimes just be able to approach, uh, talk, uh, try try to be cheerful when just to be sitting there and or be near. And I think that is the other the other side of the coin, like actually helping people to try to understand how is it to be on that position because it is not just something that they make up. It is actually a real condition, and it does attack a lot of people. Yes, yes, all right. That's. <laughs> That's cool, man, because it does show that light uh, from the like, at least from somebody who doesn't necessarily battle depression, but, you know, has like seen known people who have and just kind of seeing the whole cycle that uh, the main character of the film went through and like what the feelings that she had, like not being able to breathe, everything like heavy and like everything's dark and lost like joy and happiness and stuff like that. And uh, then going through the cycle and coming up out of the water and to the light and then slowly letting joy back in, you know, it, it, it's a cool cycle to watch and uh, 
and check out. So uh, I'm looking forward to when I can share a link with people for for that show um, to let them let them see it. You know, now uh, I have two more questions for you. And that like talking about this film actually leads perfectly into this next question. When you are making a film or making one of these two films, what is it that you want people to take away and remember about your about your movies? Mm. Okay, so the last ones. <laughs> I like I like okay. First of all, I like meaning. I like depth. Okay. I like message, and that is a constant. That's a constant of my work since I started doing this in two thousand and two, two thousand and one. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm a lecturer, and then I like uh, I like to think of ethics. I like to be, think of values. I, I like to think of like a um, the possibility of like the common good as a society of kind of like growing and evolving. And uh, one thing that I have always think since I was very young is that I can see values kind of like disappearing and then going away and we exchange them for different things, for different beliefs uh, of things that we value now, mostly new generations. So that is one of the things. Uh, so for example, like right now, <clears throat> the, the things that I've been working, they always have like really strong constant themes. So for example, this one is anxiety and depression. I, uh, I shot last year, uh, I'm about to release it, a new film. I shot it in okay. Norway actually with Ranhill. <clears throat> It's, it's a film that is called Snow Hulle, uh, which means uh, Snow Cave. And it's a film about empathy. And, for example, the other takeaway, the, the other thing that I want for people to actually uh, experience, it is uh, the cinematography. Because what I'm trying to do with these new projects is showing how, um, I don't want to say easy, but uh, how things can be done in a professional yeah. way without actually needing all the big stuff from Hollywood. Of course, when you the more you have, the more you can actually afford to have things. But what, what I'm trying to do is, when I'm saying going back to basics, is actually going back to basics on industry of actually not needing as much, not wasting resources, and actually still having something that looks uh, visually compelling. And then when I'm done with the, with this one with Snow Hood, I'll send it to you. And uh, Norway is beautiful. And I went there when it was snowy. I was there in the in, in the mountains. And then there are just shots that are... Yeah, I bet. Uh, it was just me with the three actresses, and that's it. Uh, freezing our, our asses off at uh, minus 20 Celsius, which, I don't know, is going to be what, like, maybe, <laughs> I, I don't know, I, minus four, No, four, uh, well, my, maybe. Uh, I, I heard a cheat to figure out how to, like, make the equation for celsius to fahrenheit as far as in positive temperatures i don't know if it works in the bottom one but it's like uh 32 plus um the actual temperature like doubled in celsius so like if it's 20 degrees celsius that's 40 degrees plus 32 so uh 72 degrees uh fahrenheit roughly so I don't. I don't think it'd be negative seventy-two okay. uh, Fahrenheit. <laughs> Actually, no, because as it's going down, uh, it, it it doesn't uh, it doesn't extrapolate the same. But actually, I was right. Uh, we were at minus twenty Celsius, which is minus okay. four Fahrenheit right. exactly. And did you have wind so, chill on top of that? I, that was um, sometimes. Uh, but we were one night, yes, and it was terrible because the. 
the part of the story is that the two two of the actresses being uh, trapped in a in a snowstorm, and then we having the snowstorm with them wearing we not be really well covered yeah. because it's part of the story. So they were freezing their ass off, and then uh, they get they get to be buried under the. Oh snow. yeah, that that's fun. I did that as a kid. I wouldn't want to be buried under the snow now. Um, <laughs> was this your first time? Was this your first time with that's snow? Right. Yeah, in my life, like I was 37 at the time, and that was the first time that I ever see snow because I'm from Mexico. So the family, the families in Mexico, they're really close to each other. So they want to be close in Christmas and the holidays. In Mexico, it doesn't snow, so uh, I saw some snow in like a high mountain one time, but it was not the same. Like I have never seen yeah. actually snow or having you know like actual snow to make like nice snowballs. I make my my first snowball, and funny enough, uh, like these these girls, uh, we, we, I was with with the actresses, and then they knew exactly what I was going to. So they started <laughs> running. And then <laughs> they could say, now because like, uh, like Rangel goes and then she realizes like, oh wait, he has never been in a snowball fight. So she goes, grabs something, some from a car and then just smack him. And then I get to peace and I'm like, wait a minute, that was a snowball. Cool. <laughs> and then I start making one. But I'm not going to attack Rangel because I know she's going to hit me harder. So I go with the weak ones and they start <laughs> running. So they're running. This is this is this is my best moment. I'm super proud and ashamed. <laughs> so they're running. Two tiny, two 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 very tiny, skinny Taiwanese girls, and they're like around thirty feet away. And then I throw like a perfect, beautiful curve, like worthy of an NFL, okay. NFL quarterback. And I was aiming to hit in the back, but then one of them, for some reason, decides to just step back and look at us, and I nail oh, her right man. in the face. Luckily, look. Luckily, it wasn't like a frozen snowball because, like, they'll, they'll they can like get hard and turn to ice. Like, I'm I'm from yeah, I'm from the Midwest. Yeah. I like uh, you know, growing up, I had snow all the time. So it's like there there there's the nice wet packing snow where you can like throw a nice snowball if you pack it too tight. It's like throwing an ice ball at somebody's face. Um, so luckily you didn't do that, but. <laughs> It was packed up, but it still a splash. Uh, she had a red eye for like literally two, okay, so... two days. I was feeling really, but I was. Proud <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, that was a damn good throw. Uh... Thirty feet throw. Yeah, man, face. that's like that's impressive. That's impressive. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. So <laughs> I bet you felt like a kid all over again there the first time having a snowball fight. With the last pass, he was like, yes, <laughs> give it a trophy. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, so that that's awesome. I have, uh, I actually have one more question for you before we get to that question. Uh, where can people find you on uh, the World Wide Web and find and find some of your work that's out? Uh, so, what what's your corner of the internet, and where can people check out your films? Um. This is embarrassing. Okay, so what they can find online is they go to my name, like Antonio Chavez Trejo. Uh, it's very easy, my last name, is because I have the last name of a dictator, Hugo Chavez, <laughs> and then Danny Trejo. Very easy. <clears throat> so if, if people Google me, Antonio Chavez Trejo, and then uh, links of videos start appearing, what they're going to find is like uh, the oldest stuff, the oldest short films, and uh, trailers for everything else that is about to go on. Mm-hmm. Sorry, 
that is about okay. to go on Amazon. So the uh, reality is that right now, most of the things that are actually <clears throat> mine, 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 we're watching, they're pretty much scattered and then hidden. And I'm, I'm going to start actually pulling them out so actually they go to the right places. The feature film, it's in a stage where uh, it's just getting uh, distribution, so it's going to take a while and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's what I was saying. Like my my way of uh, kind of like selling myself. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, we're gonna see your stuff. You're like, you cannot see it. I I made it just for film festivals and winning awards. And now and I keep it to myself it. and watch it in my room at <laughs> night and laugh because nobody else gets to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, I got a little carried away yeah, with that much. one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. That's exactly yes, what I yes. do. You got you got to do evil laughs in front of the mirror every <laughs> once in a while, you know. It, it's good for the soul. Now, I will I will I will put the, I will I will put those uh, on Amazon Prime so they can start going here. Mostly because um, we're foreigners and uh, we need to have things that are requirements for certain things so we can keep being here. So if things are just only in YouTube, they play against us. And luckily, I still don't have a green card. I'm, I just have an artist visa. So that is one of the things that prevents me from actually pushing a lot of things outside. Yeah, yeah, like pretty, pretty much uh, it is uh, the immigration status, talking about our Freeman. So um, because I don't have a green card yet, uh, it, depending on where our uh, projects go to, it is how much of a relevance they have. If my things are just on YouTube or anything that is just a CCS Vimeo or YouTube, then they're not as worthy as if something gets distribution, for example, in Amazon Prime, okay. Netflix, and Hulu. So that, that's why a lot of the things, for example, that I have been doing, the, the, the ones that have actually been winning awards every year, like right now I started, this is my fifth year nonstop winning awards. So <clears throat> everything that I have been winning in these past five years are things that actually have helped me with uh, my artist visa. So it is a little bit tougher, for example, for, for, for us people like the foreigners, unless you have like a really uh, solid fan base, for example, if I would be an influencer. So that's why that's one of the reasons why things, my things are not yet out there. So that's why right now in the next uh, couple of months, most of them are going to start going to this streaming device, at least one. Okay. So uh, it is considered a little bit better. All right, man. That's that's a that's an interesting insight too. I didn't even think about that. So, like when you win awards and stuff like that, like how how does the artist visa work? Obviously, I did learn that you have to like you can't go wait tables as well. You have to like make your living doing art. I remember that from uh, one of my guests that I was talking to. Um, oh yeah. So you have to do it through film. But how do they? like measure your worthiness as an artist i guess like what are some of the metrics or how do you present that to people to so they know you're working they're very specific and i can show you my uh three two visa cases right now i'm actually assembling the one for the hopefully green card uh but that one is kind of like the same but on steroids but pretty much the one for the visa artist uh first of all uh the visa is called um O1B uh, for people with extraordinary abilities. So it is not just, just being an artist. It is that you're a consumed artist. Okay. What they're looking. So for example, should you uh, should you have like a lot of awards, like you're gonna run a Grammy and Oscar? Perhaps you know you're eligible more for like a like green card. But <clears throat> for uh, for artists for for visas, what they want is to have people who have had uh, success in different realms. So for example, like done 
uh, television in case of actors done commercials, uh, national com commercials or international commercials, uh, films, series, and all. Uh, in my case, for example, because I, I like and uh, my, work my workload and the way to actually make money is uh, being able to do a lot of different things like editing, producing, directing, uh, doing stunts, um, writing some PR marketing. So then I have to actually present my case through um, USCIS. So <clears throat> they explore everything I do and I need to be approved on each of them. So, uh, so that means like the, my lawyers need to go and actually get letters from the unions, from uh, producers guild and directors guild and writers guild. So they can say, they can check the case and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy uh, has done professionally what he says he's doing. And then once having their approval, then they're going to, the USAS is going to go and check our cases and they're going to go and check pretty much like the criteria, the things that are like needed. It is uh, the success uh, mostly if, it, if, if it's possible, either monetary or in audience. So you can prove that it was a large audience actually, you know, seeing all your things. Uh, awards, press, which is vital. Yeah. And how many have been talking about, about your things and <clears throat> the type of work that you have, the type of work that, uh, that you have set up for the next three years, which is how that's the length of the expiration of the visa. Uh, which is ridiculous because uh, they ask you to, uh, for you to have already like the deals of what you're going to be working for the next three years. They're like, <laughs> I don't understand how, uh, how timing works. Like I get 15 things in the next two months. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in two years from now. Like you, you're freaking kidding me. Yeah. But uh, I mean, like you, you have a ballpark and then you have like certain things that are, are set up there. So that's fine. But uh, I'm lucky because for example, I have, I have that kind of work that actually I can, oversee like past a certain time but there's a lot of people that actually are great artists but they don't have the the possibility or the opportunity to actually get those things in advance and the last thing it is actually be cool and then have lots and lots of pictures with uh famous people and red carpets <laughs> fair enough man so you don't necessarily like you you have to focus on promoting yourself to the government pretty much like instead of like promoting like to well promoting to fans and like viewers is important too but like you're like hey hey i'm doing this hey check me out here here's a picture with the rock or something like that yeah that's pretty much it i'm not i'm not a fan of actually not even like like, like taking pictures by myself sometimes like i like i'm a i'm a photographer i'm a cinematographer as well so i like the the beauty of things or having a model but um i have to take pictures all the time i've got to an event and he's like hey, we'll take a picture he's like like sometimes I, I really get a get a picture sometimes it's difficult for example i, I just i just was in a um <clears throat> in a red carpet and then suddenly i turn around and uh rufus c riley john c riley okay uh, walks around with a super cool hat and then I'm like, oh, cool head, man. And then uh, like you get you get kind of like a little bit of a shock because you were not expecting to see, you know, like someone like him. And uh, and then he's like, damn it, that was a perfect picture opportunity. And then the the funny thing that we have in common, like all our artists uh, that are kind of that are foreign, is that we're kind of like in that set of mind that it's always turned on for the okay, this is for Visa. Like you're you you got to an, you got invited to a film festival an event, and you're like, oh, I'm so fucking tired. Like I don't want to go out. And they're like, no, wait, no, those would be like really good for visa. And then you just go to get this stuff. 
Interesting. It's something that like I never really thought about before, you know, because I haven't had to. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's a whole interesting perspective, and uh, probably like I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it, but. Um, Man, well, I'm I'm glad you did this interview for your visa. Well, I'm not doing this what's for the visa. I, I'm just but, joking uh, with you, funny. man. I'm joking with you. It's all good. But you know what? I'm, I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it in the visa still. <laughs> you should. I'm, I'm pretty sure. That, like the last one was there. It was all right. Cool, man. I'm glad. I glad I could help you out. I'm glad I can help you out. You, you can be part of uh, my <laughs> way of thing here. I have done uh, so much for you, Antonio. Well. When when I do something bad, CI is gonna be knocking at your door. You're like, so you were. I knew that guy was trouble from the start. <laughs> uh, talking about uh, turkey zombies. Yeah, turkey zombies, man. That how how did that go? That get uh did that get underway? It is it, it is something that I haven't pushed it. I haven't thrown it away, but uh, it is a, it is a tough project because of many things, but mostly including money. So I'm on that. I'm still on top of it. All right. Hopefully for this year. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Hopefully. Uh, that'd be a really cool Halloween thing. Turkey zombies. Gobble, gobble. I want your brains. Um, but <laughs> all right. I got one more question for you, man. I'm sorry. We got, I got totally sidetracked. I'm like kind of borderline ADD ish. I'm on that. I'm on that spectrum somewhere. And I'm right there with you. That's what we, we get along. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're like me. We sidebar, but we always wrap them up. Exactly, exactly. And you got to bring it back. You just got to know when to bring it back to the conversation. Yeah, because you have a mathematical way of thinking. You, it's an equation. You're closing all the parentheses. Exactly. And when you're in that sidebar, too, it's always a challenge. Like, as far as you get away, see if you can naturally bring the conversation back to where you're trying to go. Sometimes it's possible. Them. Sometimes you just got to be like, <laughs> screw it. I'm not doing transitional material right now. I just, uh, yeah. let's go to the next question. Uh <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. So, Antonio, it was great talking to you, man. Uh, great taking those little side journeys in the conversation. And uh, I really did enjoy watching those uh, two films that you sent me. And uh, I have that one final question for you. The title question of the show, Antonio CT, how do you live uncontained? I'm living uncontained uh, no matter what happens uh, or going against, uh, against me, against us and the project. Uh, because I know I need to stay focused uh, for myself because <clears throat> this is what I do. This is what I am. And there's nothing else that I would be doing. So it's a little bit of stubbornness, but I, it is a driven stubbornness. Um, it is something as breathing and uh, it is something that that is needed. That is the essence of an artist. Uh, at the same time, it is something that is so because so many people have actually supported me, helped me, and there's so much so much encouragement that it is not that I only owe it to myself, but I owe it, I owe it to people that I care and I love, and people who have kind of like grow with me uh, or make me grow, and uh, it is because of people like, for example, like my mother, that I'm still here. Without, we're we're not an island, and without like everyone around us we would never be anyone. So um, I would never stop until I achieve my dreams because it is needed. 
And if not, I would just kill myself. Like it's <laughs> I took a dark turn. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that and stay, stay after it. I don't want, don't want you to, um, you know, do, do the offing yourself thing. And if you get down, watch resilience again and you'll be good. Okay. I'm a narcissist. Narcissists don't kill themselves. We love each other too much. Narcissists love themselves too much. <laughs> Yeah, but that's a group, so that's a group support. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but yeah, I would never do that. All right, all right. Good to hear. All right, I have one final thing for you to do, and that is sign off the show. Will you do me the honor of signing off the show tonight, Antonio? I would love it. I am Antonio Chavez Trejo. I leave Bullshit Free Sound, and I live in Contained. And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. Thank you for listening, and thank you to my guest, Antonio CT, for coming back on the show and talking with us about two very exciting projects that he has going on, Resilience and L. Freeman. Definitely, I will keep you posted on where you can find those when they're out on Amazon Prime or Netflix or wherever they'll be coming out on. So I'll keep you guys posted as soon as I find anything out on the future of those films so you can check them out. Now, I appreciate you listening and I appreciate the support. If you could continue the support by just clicking that subscribe button in the uh, podcast player of your choice and uh, be automatically notified when new episodes come out and uh, into your ears magically. All you got to do is click that one button and uh, it'll be all set for you. And also, if you have any shopping to do while you're stranded home alone due to uh, COVID-19 or Corona, as most people call it, click that Amazon banner at the top of the page and uh, help support uh, Uncontained. And uh, I'll keep on putting out podcasts for you. Thank you once again for listening and Until next time, live uncontained.